I know that for some of you, uh, 2018 was a difficult year, and there were some challenging things that happened this year, but it's good for us to remember what God has said and done this year. In fact, the big idea that I feel like the Spirit is saying to us as a church today is this, that as we enter a new year, we close out 2018 and we look to 2019, there are some things we must remember. And there's some things that we should forget. Okay, that's the two key words, remember and forget. And, and it's from two texts in the scriptures. If you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Deuteronomy 8 and Philippians 3. Let's turn to Deuteronomy 8 first. And just to, while you're turning there, to give you some background, uh, Deuteronomy 8 is, is the record of an instruction that Jesus, that, excuse, not Jesus, Moses um, gave shortly before his death on the east side of the Jordan River. Okay, this is like his last words. He's been their leader for 40 years. It was through his ministry that God brought them out of slavery. He brought them through some really tough times. But even in the middle of the tough times, they saw extraordinary miracles. Like unparalleled in history sort of miracles. And now Joshua is going to take them into the promised land. All right, so, so these words come at a pivotal time in Israel's history. Not just entering, uh, closing in one year and entering a new year. No, they're entering a whole new era. A whole new land. And Moses says, I want you to remember some things. Deuteronomy 8, verse 1. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply. And by the way, that was our word for the year. Multiply. Moses says, if you want to know how to live and and excel and, and actually multiply, here's how you do it. Here's how you go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give To your fathers. And the key word for this whole chapter is remember. Moses says, You need, when you're coming into a new era, when you're coming into a new thing, you're coming into a new year, you need to remember some things. And he gives them three things to remember. Number one, remember where you came from. Now, I know for all the English teachers in the room, I know that's bad grammar, but it's good theology. Remember where you came from. In fact, look at verse two of Deuteronomy 8. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert those 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during those 40 years. So here's what Moses is saying. Moses wants to remind them, hey, don't forget, you were slaves in Egypt, and God brought you out. God had brought them a long way, both geographically and spiritually, and he wants them never to forget it. Listen, you guys, never forget what God's done for you. Never forget what you've been delivered from. Even if you're in the middle, maybe you say, we're ending 2018 and it's a bad, it wasn't a good year. Don't forget where you came from. Never forget that you were a slave before God, apart from any merit on your own account, set you free. You didn't save yourself. And remembering where you came from will keep you from pride. It'll keep you from being self-righteous. I mean, listen, we as Christians, we ought to be the most humble people on the planet. The most humble. Why? Because we know we didn't save ourselves. Self-righteousness, we don't have any room for it. As one of our dear sisters said, ain't nobody got time for that. 
We as Christians don't have time for self-righteousness because we know we didn't. Never forget that you aren't the sole reason for the good stuff in your life. I saw an interview with the actor Denzel Washington, and he was being interviewed, and um, uh, he was telling a story to the person interviewing him, and he said that uh, he went in to talk to his mom right after, I think he had been nominated for some sort of Academy Award or something like that, and he went in to talk to his mom, and he was a little full of himself, and he went in, he was like, Mom, did you ever think that I would really become like this, you know, when I was a kid? His mother looked at him and said, please. Boy, two things. Number one, go clean the windows. Number two, do you know how many people were praying for you when you were being a knucklehead? Nobody can humble you like your mama, right? I mean, that. What was she saying? Don't remember you didn't get here by yourself. Other people prayed for you and God provided for you. Never, ever forget that. Especially when you're going through a tough time. Especially when you're entering into a new year. Don't forget you didn't get here by yourself. I was thinking again this week, and I've told you this story before. Forgive me for repeating it. But uh, when I graduated from high school, I received a letter from my Sunday school teacher from the 70s when we lived in Paris, Tennessee. We, we, my dad pastored a church down in Paris, Tennessee, home of, by the way, the world's largest fish fry. They fry everything down in Paris, Tennessee. And so uh, uh, anyway, we, we, when I was a little kid, I don't know, six years old or whatever, uh, she was my Sunday school teacher. Her name was Miss Polly Parker. And never forget Miss Polly Parker. And when I graduated from high school, she wrote me a letter. And in the letter, because she could write some letters. Miss Polly, I mean, the Apostle Paul didn't have anything on her. She, she could write some epistles, okay? And she wrote this letter, and in this letter, she told me a story that happened, I guess, when, I don't know, I was six or seven years old, and we lived in Tennessee. She had been visiting uh, my mom on one occasion, and she was coming out, and I was outside playing, because when I was six years old, I was the Lone Ranger, okay? I had my six shooters. I had my hat, you know, I had a great big old dog that was like silver, but his name was Samson, and he would, but he was, you know, he's my horse, and, and, and we had many adventures together, me and Samson. But I was outside playing, I had my six shooters on, and, and um, uh, she came out, and she looked up, and there was a jet stream in the sky, and she looked at me, and she said, uh, Timmy, because she's the only person on the planet who's allowed to call me Timmy. Um, and so she says, Timmy, um, you know, when I see those jet streams, I just think of a giant zipper in the sky. And apparently, and I don't remember this, but I, she told me this in the letter. I looked up and said, yeah, Miss Polly, put my hands on my six shooters. When I see that, I just think about God. Yeah. And she got in her car and something about that moved her. And she committed to God that she would pray for little Timmy Parrish every time she saw a jet stream. And years later, she wrote me on my high school graduation to say, I've prayed for you every single time I've seen a jet stream since you were six years old. Now, that was back then. To my knowledge, for all I know, Miss Polly Parker still prays for me to this day. Lord, help little Timmy Parrish. Recall again, she's the only one allowed to, to pray this way or to call me Timmy. All right. But, but she, Lord, help him give him wisdom. Help him make good decisions. Bless his family. Bless, I, I don't know. And, and it occurred to me this week as I was thinking about what God did this year in my life and what God had brought me through this year and what he'd spoken to me this year. It occurred to me that wherever I have gone in life, if anything good at all has come out of my life, a great deal of it is because my dad, my mom, Miss Polly, and maybe even a few of you have prayed for me. And listen, the same is true in your life. 
Man, you might not have a Miss Polly, but you got somebody. So you wouldn't be here today if somebody else hadn't prayed for you. Remember that. Don't ever forget you didn't bring yourself here. Why do you think, this is just a question, why do you think Moses is so hung up on the fact that the Israelites need to remember all that God had done for them? I mean, why was that so important to remember what God had done? Well, I I just throw out my idea. I think it's because he knew they're going to face some giants in the land and they would be tempted to be afraid. But if they remembered what God had already done, if, if they remembered that he had split the Red Sea, he had provided clothes that didn't wear out, he gave them manna every day, he brought water from a rock, if he could do all of that, he could take care of a few measly old giants. And let me tell you something, I really believe that 2019, as we're moving forward, there are going to be some giants in the land in 2019. In fact, I'm going to share that more next week, but this past week, uh, the, uh, the Lord actually gave me a dream and, uh, uh, of some things that I think are on the horizon, and I don't say that lightly. You guys who know me know most of my dreams I don't think are the Holy Spirit. Uh, uh, a vast majority of them I don't believe are, because in all my dreams, I'm 6'5", 250 pounds of raw muscle mass, ripped. I rarely have a shirt on in my dreams because I look that good. In my dream, and I, so I'm pretty sure that's not from Jesus. But I did have a dream this week that I do feel like was the Lord's, and I'm going to share that next week about some giants that are in the land. I believe some giants that we're going to face. But I'll, I'll talk about that next week. But the point here is this: if God brought us this far, He can take us the rest of the way through anything. One of my favorite stories. You remember the first the, the first Sunday that I became pastor here. I preached a message out of 1 Samuel 7. You remember the story. Samuel is there and the nation of Israel, they're groaning under the oppression from the Philistines and, and they're praying. And, and Samuel said, look, if you're serious about getting right with God, you need to repent, get rid of all your idols, and you need to fast and pray. And so they do that. And while it's happening, the Philistines hear about it and they attack them because that's how the devil is. <laughs> he, he attacks you right when you're trying to seek the Lord. How many of you have ever had this? When you finally sit down to pray, you remember all the stuff that you couldn't remember five minutes ago that you need to do. You think that happens on accident? So the enemy comes right in. Right when you're about to seek God, they're about to seek God. The enemy comes and they say, you keep praying, Samuel. He starts praying. The Lord, the text says, thunders from heaven, throws them into panic. They rout the Philistines and then... Samuel does something very interesting. He takes a stone and he puts it between Mizpah, which is where they were, and Shen, which is where they were going. And he takes it and he calls it Ebenezer. Because, not Ebenezer Scrooge, just Ebenezer. Because the word Ebenezer means a stone of help. And he puts it between where they used to be and where they're going. And he puts the stone as a, a stone of remembrance. And he says, thus far has the Lord helped us. He remember, listen, we didn't get here by ourselves. Thus far has the Lord helped us. And I think we come to the end of 2018. That's part of what we need to say today. We, this is like our, our stone of remembrance, our stone of hell. Thus far has the Lord helped us. We wouldn't be here. Stephen Charnock was a 17th century Puritan. And, and he was writing to some friends who were undergoing great persecution. And he wrote this. If we did remember his former goodness... We should not be so ready to doubt his future care. In in other words, it's only when you forget what God has already brought you through that in the past that the future looks so scary. Because what God has done in the past is just evidence of what he's going to keep on doing. 
Remember that. Remember how tough it was and how God provided you for you in extraordinary ways. Every once in a while, Marlene and I will say, if we're going through a tough time, a number of years ago when we were in the middle of a, of a really tough financial uh, moment, we would sometimes say to each other, man, you know what? We lived in Central Asia in the middle of a civil war when there was a food shortage. And we did just fine. If God can take care of us there, we, he can handle this. God's got, and some of you maybe just need to hear that this morning. God's got this. He's, he's provided for you. You've been through worse stuff in the past, and he took care of you. Remember where you came from. Number two, remember where you're going. Deuteronomy 8, I'm going to skip down to verse 6, says this. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. If you're, if you're taking notes, just underline a good. He's taking you into a good land, a land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing in the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey. And listen to this. A land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. Moses said, don't just remember where you came from. Remember where you're going. And and where you're going is a good land. Man, a lot of people in our society, they can remember where they came from, but they don't have any idea where they're going. And if you're going nowhere, it's not hard to get there. Charles Simpson said this, aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Because it's not enough, Moses says, to remember where you came from. You've got to remember where you're going, and where you're going is a promise. It's a good land. He's taking you to a good, God is taking us somewhere, New Life Church, and it's a good land. Don't forget that when you experience troubles. Man, when you look back on 2018, remember this. 2018 was never a destination. We're just passing through. We just, you ever heard anybody say, when you're passing through hell, keep on going? You just don't, don't, don't put a tent there. Just keep on going. Man, when 2018 wasn't the, the, where we were headed. No, we're just passing through. God's taking us to something, and he's taking to us something good. Remember where you're going. Because here's the deal. When you remember where you're going, number one, you can resist the temptation to quit. Because there, there are times when things get dark and things get hard. And, and, and if, you, if you forget you're going somewhere, you might be tempted to quit. And number two, if you remember you're going somewhere, you can't be deceived into thinking you're already there. See, the Israelites could have settled on the east side of the Jordan forever. But Moses said, oh, 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 listen, this isn't why we wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. I didn't put up with you people. For 40 years, for us to stay here. No, we're, we're not going to settle for anything less than the promised land. That's what Moses said. Listen, we're grateful. We're grateful for where God brought us, but we know this ain't all. We haven't arrived yet. We aren't there yet, so we're not going to settle for anything less than God's promise. Now, I can apply that in a couple different ways. Uh, individually, I can apply it this way. Sometimes, um, and I don't know if this happens to you. I, I'll just apply it to myself and you can listen in. Sometimes I will get discouraged because I'm not as spiritually mature as I should be. In fact, just this week, something happened this week where I got I, something, there was an event that happened and I got kind of discouraged. I got kind of down about it. And then I realized I shouldn't have been so down and discouraged about it. And then I felt guilty for being discouraged. Because that's how the devil is. 
right? He tries to get you to be discouraged and make you feel, oh, you should be beyond this. You should be able to handle this kind of stuff. And, and I remember thinking, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. This is not where I'm going. I'm not always going to be this way because why? I'm going to the promised land. We're headed to the promised land. I'm not always going to struggle with what I'm struggling with today. Oh, no, whatever. I'm, it's got a time limit. It's not eternal. I'm not always going to be dealing with this. Why? Because I'm going to the promised land. And you guys, us corporately as a church, New Life Church, we, we, we have not arrived yet. Have you noticed? <laughs> uh, we have a vision. And our vision is to be all about Jesus, to make disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus. We want to be a church that's firmly grounded in the word of God and at the same time is alive to the current present day working of the Holy Spirit. And where we don't have to choose one or the other. We want both. We want to have a kingdom focus. We want to be a church where there's an authentic community where we care for each other and we love each other, but yet we're outward focused. We want to be a bridge building congregation in this city that reaches across the Ninth Street divide, which reaches across racial uh, chasms, which reaches across denominational and theological uh, divisive walls, and sees God do something beautiful in our city because we love louisville do you know why because god loves louisville god's heart is for our city and so that's who we're supposed to be that is the vision that's where we're headed are we there yet oh no but we're going somewhere and ultimately Ultimately, the, the, the ultimate promised land is the fullness of the kingdom of God, the new heaven and the new earth where Jesus reigns supreme over all with justice and righteousness and every tear is going to be wiped away and every wrong is going to be made right and there'll be no more curse, no more sin, no more crying, no more pain, no more death. And all shall come right. That is where we're going. Remember that. Remember where you came from. Remember where you're going. And number three, although not the last point, we're hitting the end of the year on an uptick here, four points. Number three, remember who's taking you there. Remember where you came from. Remember where you're going. Remember who's taking you there. Look at verse 10 and following. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increases and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud. And you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of a hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to humble and to test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember... The Lord your God. For it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. So you may be thinking, well, yeah, we're doing well, but it's because I work hard. Oh, really? Who gave you the hands? Who, who, who gave you the mind? 
that you use? Who, who gave you the opportunity? Who gave you the body that you're using? It was him. So what's the point? Moses is saying, as you begin to see God's provision in your life and your family grows and your wealth grows and you have a house and a flocks and money and you've come to the promised land, do not forget the Lord. Remember the Lord. See, let none of us forget that God is the one who brought us this far and he's the one that's going to take us the rest of the way. Moses is reminding them it's God, not Moses, not Joshua, that's taking them into the promised land. That's why over and over again he says, he did this, he did this, he did this. He's constantly sending them back to God. Why? Because it is God and not yourself that's taking you to a good land. Don't ever forget that. Here's what happens when you do forget that. There are some people in our culture who live on the brink of a nervous and a mental breakdown because they are laboring under the false concept that it's up to them. If it's to be, it's up to me. You ever heard that? Of course you have. Dear Jesus, if it's up to me, if it's up to you, we in trouble. But the good news is it isn't up to us. Remember where you came from. Remember where you're going. Remember who's taking you there. See, if you forget that God is taking you there and you think you're on your own, then as soon as things don't go according to your plan, as soon as, you know, it gets kind of hard, as soon as the heat gets turned up a little bit, you're panicking, man. Why? Because that's a recipe for anxiety. What are we going to do? It's up to us. We got to think, what are we going to do? But if you know deep down that God is taking you somewhere, you can have peace. You can have joy even in the storm. Why? Because God's taking you somewhere. Everybody else might be freaking out, but you're not. Why? Because if you know God is taking, listen, if I know that God is taking me somewhere, then whatever hardship I'm facing right now is only going to make me better. I can't lose. If God's taking me somewhere, whatever I'm going through right now is just going to make me stronger. Actually, it's just getting me ready for my promised land. See, if you forget God, your circumstances will try to deify themselves. I want you to think about that for a second. If you forget God, your circumstances will try to act like they are God and you have to obey them. But if you know God's taking you somewhere, no matter what the circumstances of the moment are, you can be at peace, you can be at rest because God has taken you there, not the winds and the waves of circumstances. And remember, the winds and the waves obey him. They obey him. Corey Ten Boom put it this way. Corey Ten Boom, something of a fan, you know, she wrote the hiding place. She, she and her family were hiding uh, Jews during the Holocaust, and they were put in concentration camps. Most of them died. She survived. She said this, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Think about that for a second. You may have an unknown future, but we have a known God. Don't be afraid to trust it. As we stand on the precipice of 2019, there's some things we must remember. You got to remember where you came from, where you're going, and who's taking you there. But at the same time, there's some things you got to forget. And so if you have your Bibles, flip from now Deuteronomy 8 over to Philippians chapter 3. And I'll just give you the context while you're doing that. In Philippians 3, Paul is saying, listen, um, whoever thinks they have reason to boast in the flesh, I have more. And then he gives us his pedigree. 
Yeah, you, you know, he's born of the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day as to uh, obeying the law, legalistic righteousness, faultless. But then he says, whatever was to my profit, whatever was my gain, I now consider it loss compared to knowing Christ. In fact, he uses a real strong word. He said, I comp- I, it's all rubbish. The NIV, I think in the NIV says rubbish. The word really in Greek is poop. It's actually another word, but I'm not allowed to say that word from the pulpit. Which is ironic, isn't it? It's in the Bible, but I can't say it. But anyway, it's a really strong word for refuse, for, for, for garbage. For, it, it's, it's a really strong word. And he said, all of that stuff that I used to find my identity in, it's now garbage compared to knowing Christ. And to be found in him. And I want to have a righteousness, not of my own, that comes from obeying the law. A righteousness that comes by faith in Jesus Christ. So that I can be just like Jesus. He said, if Jesus said it, I want to say it. If Jesus did it, I want to do it. I want to be just like Jesus, even in his death and his resurrection. And he's talking about the resurrection of the dead. And the very next thing, look what he says, Philippians 3, verse 12. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And it's not just me. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. Do you hear what he's saying? Paul is saying, amongst other things, amongst the focus on Jesus, he's saying part of spiritual maturity is knowing you haven't arrived. It's knowing that you have, you're not in the promised land yet. It's knowing that you have to press on to what is ahead. And he uses a race as a metaphor. See, when you're running a race, you can't keep looking behind you when you're running the race. If you do, you're going to get hurt. You're not going to run well if you're constantly looking behind you while you're running. Listen, you don't get grace to live yesterday. You, you, you're not, God's not going to give you grace for tomorrow until you get the, grace is for today. God, God has given you grace for the living of this day right now. You can't live in the past. You can only live today. And here's what happens. When you try to live in the past, you will do one of two things. You'll either romanticize the past. In other words, everything, you just remember all the good stuff and it, it was better than it really was. I hear this all the time, and now I'm old enough to actually remember some of the things that people are, are romanticizing in the past about. I was with a couple of pastors not long ago, and they were talking about the charismatic movement in the 70s and the 80s and how great it was. And I was thinking, well, there's a lot of awesome things. But I was there, won't everything awesome? And that's the truth. But here's what happens. If you're running a race looking backward, you're going to romanticize the past, or you're going to go the other way, and you're going to demonize the past. Where everything was bad and nothing went right and God never did anything. That's what happens when you run. Either way, if you romanticize the past, if you demonize the past, if you're constantly looking at the past, you're in for a crash in the present. And when you're driving the car, when you're driving a car, have you ever noticed this? Your windshield is way bigger than your rearview mirror. Big windshield, little bitty rearview mirror. Why? Because when you're driving a car, what is ahead of you is more important than what's behind you. And if you're not paying attention to what's coming, you're going to be in a crash. Paul says, forget what is behind. 
And, and the word there, forget, uh, in Greek can be translated as forget as in don't remember, okay? But it can also have this meaning, pay no attention to it. Be unconcerned about it. See, that's what happens when you're running a physical race. When you're running a race, you can remember what you just passed up, but you're not paying attention to it. You're unconcerned about that. You're moving forward to where you're going. The same is true in our spiritual race. Part of spiritual maturity is knowing what to remember and what to forget. What do you pay attention to and what are you unconcerned about? And what is Paul forgetting? Well, in that verse, here's the answer. He's forgetting what is behind. And in the context, if you read the context, like I told you, it's all the good things he used to trust in to make him okay. It was all the works of the flesh. It was all the idols that were in his life, his religion and all that stuff that made him look okay. And those are good things, okay? There's nothing wrong with those things, but they're not the center. They're not Jesus. Now he focuses on Jesus. He isn't paying attention and staying concerned about what is behind him. It's Jesus right now that has his gaze. And as we conclude 2018, this is how we got to live. We do want to remember where we came from, where we're going, who's taking us there. But we forget the other stuff. We forget what is behind. I mean, let me try to apply that, and then we'll be done. I'll apply it to myself again first, and then you apply it as the Holy Spirit applies it to you. I am often reminded, and usually it's in the middle of the night when I'm awake. I'm often reminded of all the failures in my life or the mistakes that I've made. I don't know why that is exactly. I think... Demons like the night. When I'm awake and I'm by myself, I remember the times when I made mistakes as a son. So I have great parents, but I wasn't always the best son. And I, rem- I, I, I they come back to my memory. And, and then I, t- I remember times when, though I have a wonderful wife, I remember times when I wasn't a great husband. I should have been a better husband. I remember, I remember these things. I remember things I, I said I wish I would have never said or, or did that I wish I never did. I, I remember the times I, I fail as a father. And the mistakes, and those probably break my heart more than anything because I thought I would be an unbelievable father. But as it turns out, parenting is not easy. And then sometimes I, I think, it's the middle of the night, I'm remembering times I dropped the ball as a pastor, times I um, didn't love the flock of God the way I should have. And my mind can get going on these. I know this probably never happens to you. And then sometimes, uh, to kind of get away from those memories, I try to remember the times I actually did it right, which there were a couple occasions I actually did did it right. And it's okay to celebrate your victories. But listen, I can't live in the past. Successes or failures. Living in the past will only paralyze you in the present. And you miss out on what God has for you today. Do you know when I am in that period of thinking about all the times I screwed up, I I don't hear God's voice. Because he's speaking to me in the present. And I'm trying to live back there. Listen, as, as we enter a new year, you guys, 
there are some things we must remember. We got to remember where we came from. We got to remember where we're going, and we got to remember who's taking us there. But you guys, there's some other things that we should forget. And for some of you, this is the word of the Lord to you. There's some things, we're closing out 2018, there's some things you just need to forget. In other words, don't focus on them. Let them go. It's over. God's doing a new thing. Remember when God said in Isaiah, uh, forget the former things. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Don't you see it? Don't you perceive it? God's doing something new. But the devil wants you to live in all your failures of your past. That's why he can bring them back to your memory just like that. You, you, you can't remember anything else, but you can remember those things. 